guys, welcome back to the Shredding for Gold podcast. I'm your host and star of the Team Starfish, uh, Emily Trepena. Um, So just a friendly reminder before we get started with our second episode. Um, this podcast is all thanks to our good friend, the blind blogger, Maxwell Ivy Jr. And it's being hosted through the What's Your Excuse Network. So um, make sure you take a listen to that podcast um, by listening, by asking Google to play the What's Your Excuse podcast. Um, so in my previous episode, um, well, actually my first episode, it was more like an introduction to who I am as a person and what I'm planning to use the podcast for. And one of the things that I had told you all is that I originally was born in Ontario and lived there for quite a bit of my life. So that's where uh, most of the training that I did initially, that's where most of my training was initially done. So um, it only makes sense to start off from the beginning and let you learn and hear from the coaches that worked with me in Ontario. So that's what's going to be happening over the next few episodes uh, here on the podcast. So today um, we're going to interview one of my gym coaches that I had back in Ontario. Um, It's gym coach Steve McGray and he is a strength and conditioning coach that I worked with for several years um, when I was living and training in Ontario. So without without any further ado, let's get started. Okay, cool. Okay, so first off, I just wanted to say welcome to the podcast, Shredding for Gold. Um, Today we have Steve McRae on the podcast that I will be interviewing. And I'm not going to tell you a whole lot about him because I want him to tell you more about him. All right. So, Steve, first off, super easy. Who are you? Describe yourself so the listeners get to know you a bit. (laughs) Well, thank you very much for having me on, Emily. I was very excited when you asked me. Um, So I am a strength and conditioning coach from London, Ontario. Uh, so I, uh, this is my 10th year as a strength coach. I have my master's in biomechanics where I was looking at um, low back pain and hip mobility. Um, I'm a certified strength and conditioning specialist. Um, so predominantly my big love and joy in the strength and conditioning world is identifying where people aren't moving properly and giving them the tools. So Emily knows from all the mountains amounts of homework I gave her, (laughs) um, giving people the tools and the understanding to help them move better for whatever their goals are. So whether that's reducing pain or increasing performance in a sport like downhill skiing and snowboarding. Yes. Awesome. And where are you currently working? Uh, So right now, so I have my own personal training strength coach business. So I'm working out of one location at the uh, London Hunt and Country Club. Um, But then I also am a part-time professor at Fanshawe College in London. So I've been working there. This is going into my third year, starting September, with the paramedic program. So I'm the strength and conditioning coach for the, the paramedic students, basically trying to give them the skills and the strength needed to go out into the world and rescue people without hurting themselves. 
Awesome. And then you also mentioned that this past summer you were working, uh, doing a virtual uh, virtual lessons with the Police Foundations program at Theatre, correct? Yeah, so that was that was my first time doing that. So it was uh, the fitness and wellness portion of the Police Foundations through Fanshawe as well. So that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Okay, number two question. This one's another easy one. Um, <laughs> what role have you played in my journey towards the Paralympics? Ooh. <laughs> So when I met you, you had been working with another trainer at the the same gym, the same good life we worked at. Yeah. And I think, at least I want to believe, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I think one of the biggest things that I helped you is really identify what parts of your body you needed to put a lot of your effort into in terms of mobility. Yep. Like we have, we, we have little nicknames for like your tricky mm-hmm. ankle, your right, tricky right ankle yes. or your, your left elbow. So <laughs> those still have stuck by the way. <laughs> yeah. But they've improved immensely, right? They have improved. Yes, definitely. So I, I guess that's what I, I hope my biggest influence on your training is just giving you a bigger understanding and awareness of how your body moves and definitely. And, and one of the big things I always like to tell people is there's no right or wrong way it, or someone, because people always ask me how they compare to other people. And so, well, your right. body, your body has developed this way and yeah. this is how your body like wants to move and, and working around those is, is really important in terms of strength and conditioning. Cause you and I, we found things that just didn't work. Like there were certain yeah. positions or thir- certain mm-hmm. exercises that, Yay. because of because of the way your joints were formed just weren't going to be a possibility so right that's a long-winded long-winded <laughs> answer i was saying that's good yeah <laughs> that's good that's good okay this is one of a bit of a tougher one no no <laughs> it's okay though um thinking back to when we first met what was your initial thought when you found out you were going to be training a legally blind athlete so I kind of thought you were going to ask me this question. So I've been thinking <laughs> about it a lot. I think the, the, my initial reaction was I was going to have to train you in a different way or come up with different exercises and like skiing type exercises or mm-hmm. snowboarding type exercises and, or, or so my, the big thing I've been thinking about is, when we first started working together, I thought I was going to have to tr- sort of reinvent the wheel in terms of programming. Right. And the biggest thing that I found was it was the complete opposite. So I remember after a couple sessions, you were so capable. Mm-hmm. And I realized that you're just like any other athlete. And the only thing that we needed to modify or I needed to change was just making sure that you felt safe and there was something for you to reach out and grab a hold of or you had a really good understanding so the cool one i i still remember like your spatial awareness is crazy so you would you would just sort of 
we'd identify barriers or identify the area and then you're like, okay, yep, I got it. And <laughs> we'd be off to the races. So I think my biggest thing that I went in thinking was that I had to change how I approached training you. Right. And it was the complete opposite. I, I just needed to approach it like any other speed strength athlete. And right. if so we needed, exactly. If we needed to, mm-hmm. okay. Cool. Um, so this one goes along with the last question and you kind of already touched on it already, but describe some of the adaptions or techniques that you use during our training sessions. You know, you kind of already described it already. But... Yeah. Yeah. So I think the biggest one was um, giving you sort of a lay of the land Right. So making sure you understood where, where all the pieces of equipment were or potential barriers would be. Um, one of the big adaptations, I say, we, we almost always did something near a wall. Oh, yeah. I remember this. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes the wall was your friend. Sometimes the wall wasn't. <laughs> um, it's half and half still. Yeah, it was a love-hate relationship. But one of, so I, I think that was probably the biggest because you didn't need me standing beside you or anything like that. But as long as you knew if you just put your left hand out or if you just put your foot down, you were safe. So, and I think really one of the cool things that working my verbal cues, I think working, <laughs> working with you, I really, because I, I couldn't necessarily show you or demonstrate what I wanted to do. So I had to be right. very specific with my verbal cueing. That's and right. I think that's, that's something that I really improved as a trainer working with you because sure. being able to articulate what I wanted or what we were trying to do, it really yeah. forced me to improve. So that was a cool adaptation too. But the biggest one and, and always checking in to make sure that you felt safe and it was yeah. something that you, you felt comfortable doing. Awesome. Okay. Um, prior to training with me, did you have any experience training athletes with various disabilities? No, you were no, you were my first. Okay. Cool. And then since you've start since you started training with me, have you had any um, experiences training with athletes with various disabilities since you started here? So there's been there's been um, several students within Fanshawe that we've had to um, adapt a lot of the training protocols for. Um, yeah, and and the so a um, a hearing impaired student. So that was that's an interesting yeah. So that's an interesting. Um, so where I was talking about the verbal cueing, um, <laughs> it's the, the, basically the opposite, making sure that. I was going to say it would have been the opposite for that person. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then several, um, several sort of more physical, um, impairments that we've had to modify for, but, and the big thing too is it's one of the biggest things that I've taken away from our, our time together is you don't have to try and reinvent something. It's just small right. adaptations that that lead to the biggest results because you're trying to get them to do a certain movement and all, all it takes is just that small small adjustment and it seems but to go yeah. well. 
for sure. That's awesome. Um, describe at least three different exercises you would suggest when training an athlete with various disabilities. Hmm. So I am, and as you know, a huge fan of um, you know split squats. Yes. So, yes. <laughs> um, so there are two types of sort of leg exercises. So there's unilateral. So unilateral exercise means one leg's doing one thing and yeah. another leg's doing another. Mm-hmm. And then there are bilateral exercises where both legs are doing the same thing. So a typical squat would be considered a bilateral exercise. Right. So both your feet are planted and you're doing the same thing. Whereas a split squat, so with one foot's forward, one foot's back, and there's so many different variations that you can d- use. So you can have your front foot up, you can have your front foot back. Um, you can do a more hip-focused one where you, you're going more forward, or you can do a more leg-focused one where you're going down. But the reason I love split squats is because while one hip is doing one thing, so going into what's called flexion, where say your knees coming up towards your chest and the other hips going backwards, it really forces people to use their muscles in ways that we don't often use them in right. terms in terms of because we're sitting all day, right? Yeah. So the reason I love those unilateral leg exercises, so like split squats, is it forces people to sort of increase their ranges of motion. Yep. But also you don't have to use nearly as much weight to make them hard Mm. so there's an increased safety element of it gotcha so if you think of when you're doing squats now in the gym you're probably using like what would you be using now if if you had the bar on your back um so we we primarily use like the squat rack Mm -hmm. so because it's like a safe there's like safety bars on the top and on the bottom awesome yep and then do you know how much weight is on there, though? Um, it varies on the time. Sometimes it's lighter, sometimes it's heavier. So what would your heavy be? Oh, what am I up to now? I think you said, like, well over 100 pounds, didn't well you? Well over 100, yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> if you think of how much weight you can use with your two legs yeah. versus if we go to, say, like, a walking lunge, yeah. you, even just at body weight, those are going to be a lot harder, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because all of more that loads being distributed across different muscles rather than right. So one of the reasons why I like those split squats is you can challenge people and get them to work really hard, but in a little bit of a safer. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, second one, I would say are ankle cars. <laughs> I love my ankle cars. So for people that aren't aware. CARS, Mm -hmm. so it's an acronym. So C A, capital C, capital A, capital R, little s. So it's controlled articular rotations. So essentially, what a controlled articular rotation or a CAR is, you slowly take your joint through its outer ranges of motion. And what you're doing is two things. So joints don't really have a good blood supply. So if you think of your muscles, if you pull a muscle, it actually heals relatively quickly, right? 
or if you, let's say you break a bone. So you break a bone four to six weeks later, that bone is actually healed and right. as strong as strong as it was before. And the reasons bones, the reason bones heal so quickly is because they have really good blood supply. So the heart's pumping, pumps blood to those bones, those the oxygen and nutrients and all the really good stuff come to those bones and it heals. Right. Un unfortunately, mm -hmm. joints don't really have very good blood supply, but they have their own fluid. So blood's a fluid. So they have their own fluid. So in your ankle, there's something called a bursa. So it's like a fluid filled sac around your ankle. Right. Okay. So that's your bursa. So that fluid in the sac is called synovial fluid. And think of it like oil in your car. So when you do your ankle articulation and your ankle cars, you're literally moving that fluid around to all the nooks and all the crannies of your ankle. Right. And, and it's so, helping loosen it so it so moves it, better. It's, it's helping lubricate it. So the cool thing is, so not only is it making it all squishy and, and move fluidly, but that fluid also has nutrients. So it's also keeping mm. it healthy. Okay, so you're delivering lubrication, you're delivering nutrients to the, all the parts of your ankle. Because if you think of if so if you don't move your ankles, or if you think of your shoulder, if you don't move your shoulder in a full range of motion, right. all of a sudden, those parts of the shoulder aren't getting nutrients, it's not going to be a very healthy shoulder, is it? Right, right. The other cool part, I promise I'll stop talking. Soon. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> the other cool part is when you move your ankle through a full range of motion, and this goes for any of your joints, you're actually stimulating signals being sent to your brain saying, this is normal, this is safe, this is what I'm supposed to be able to do. So if you don't move a joint, you're not sending those signals. So your brain doesn't realize you have the ability or the capacity to move that joint in that way. So when you go down the hill, if you've never moved your ankle over to the right and invert, mm -hmm. so like your foot out, it's not going to let you go there. So you're going to be limited in your movement options. Right, right. So <laughs> those articulations, and I, the reason I chose ankles is the vast majority of the people that I meet don't have strong enough feet or ankles. Mm -hmm. And if you think of any sport, I don't care what sport you're doing, <laughs> Maybe, maybe not like race car driving where you're sitting down, <laughs> but the vast majority of sports, if you can't feel the connection with the ground or if you can't apply force through your feet, right. it's like having, I make the corny joke, it's like having a 500 horsepower car and you put little skinny bike tires on it. You're, you're not going to be able to work put properly. the, exactly, you can't put the power down. So the first thing I do with almost anybody I work with is, all right, socks and shoes off. Let's see, can you control your toes? Can you move your ankles? Because you could have the strongest legs in the world, but if you're not able to push that power into the floor, so it, in biomechanics, it's called a ground reaction force. So if you, so, so they do this cool thing in biomechanics where you stand on a force plate. Okay. And so let's say let's say you were going to do a squat jump and the harder you can push down into the floor, the higher your body's going to go into the air. All right. So you have to push right. down, you have to push down into the ground to create power. 
but if your feet aren't very strong, you could have the strongest legs in the world and you're pushing down and nothing's going to happen. You're, you're, that force doesn't make it to the floor, so you're not really going to move. Right. Okay. That's um, that was two. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. I would say what's the third exercise I would recommend most for athletes? Mm-hmm. I know there's um, so many out there. Yeah, well, so I'm going to keep it. So I'm going to keep it pretty simple. The last one I'm going to say is spine segmentation. Okay, that's a big one. Yeah, so your spine has 24 segments, and you technically should be able to move each and every one of those segments independent from the other. So, and and basically. The spine's the base and the start of all, all movement. So if you can't control your spine, then, then you're going to have a hard time controlling any sort of movement outside of that. For sure. Definitely. I remember us working a lot on that with me. Mm-hmm. Well, and Because a lot of that comes down to the core, right? Mm-hmm. So, so much of skiing and snowboarding and a lot of what you do is, is being able to identify and, and stabilize yourself using your abdominals. Right. Right. Okay. Awesome. Um, name a few things you have learned from training people with various disabilities. Let's touch on it a little bit, but. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I think the biggest one is you don't have to change your approach. Mm-hmm. You just have to modify the, the context of the exercise. Right. So rather than doing an exercise in the middle of a room where there's nothing around, mm-hmm. um, well, and, but that, again, that could be something that like, if we're really working on your balance, yeah, that's exactly what I would do is I'd be, I'd, I'd, we'd go into the middle of the room and I'd let you know if there's, all right, mm-hmm. so I really want you to force you to try and stabilize yourself, but there's nothing within 20 feet on either side of us. And so you right. feel safe. Right. Or if we're doing a strength exercise, like you said, with the squat squat rack, we'd yeah. put you put you in an, an area where you feel as safe as possible, and you don't have to worry about that instability. Or if you do mm-hmm. lose your balance, you know you're going to be safe. Yeah, yeah. So there's always that squat. There's always that safety bar on the top and the bottom. So. Mm-hmm. Um. And I think it's like any relationship. Communication is is super important, and trust. Definitely. So. If you didn't trust me, that would make it very hard. That would make it so hard. <laughs> yeah, but that trust comes from from me openly communicating what what we're doing. Yeah. So I think that those are the biggest ones. It's just just really ensuring that you have an understanding of what the goal is and what the exercise is and where what we're trying to to work. For sure. Awesome. Um. If you had to choose just one thing, this is going to be tricky. (laughs) What is the most valuable learning lesson you've learned from training with me? (laughs) um, This is going to sound corny, but I'd say like the, the result or the value of hard work and dedication Mm -hmm. because 
it may seem seem silly to a super motivated, hardworking individual like yourself. Yep. But the vast majority of people I give their homework to don't do it. Right. I remember you saying that. So the fact that I would give you homework and you would come in and you'd be like, hey, I was doing my homework and I noticed this and I want you to watch me do it and would see if I'm doing it right. Or I found this cool new, new when I was doing it, I felt something different for the first time. Like yeah. I never doubted that you yeah. were do you weren't doing your homework and the proof corny corny saying but the proof is in the the proof is in the pudding like we saw we saw crazy changes in your strength and stability like remember the single foot challenge like we yes so for for the listeners there was a time when emily couldn't put a sock on without having to hold on to something or sit down or even like a shoe or a shoe so one of the things we and this goes back to the foot and the feet and how important they are for stability so like we saw, I don't know if I've ever seen the improvements I've seen. Like you're one of the most improved individuals or clients I've ever worked with in terms of strength. But I think it goes back to how much effort you put into it. Yeah, definitely. So the big thing I learned is like consistency is everything. Because if you're not consistently doing what 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 is asked of you or, or putting effort into it, you're not going to get the results that you want. I totally agree. <laughs> totally agree. Okay. Did you bring me on this podcast just to tell you how good you are? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Because I'll do it. And I'll keep doing it. Okay. <laughs> okay. There's another tricky one. Okay. <laughs> One of the many questions I often get asked is if coaching an athlete is hard. My answer to them is usually, I'm, my answer to them is, I'm sure coaching an athlete comes with its challenges, but at the same time, it is also very rewarding and exciting to see your athlete improve and succeed. What are your thoughts? And are I, there, what are your oh, thoughts? Sorry, go ahead. What are your thoughts and are there any challenges when it comes to training an athlete with uh, various disabilities that you have encountered? Oh, it's immensely rewarding. Um, when when you would come back and, and say, or, I, or you'd text me like <laughs> at the bottom of the hill, basically be like, oh, I, like I set a personal best in this <laughs> or like I'd be like, it was the, the amount of people that I told about you and how how great you were doing it was it it was immensely rewarding and i think i got as much out of the training as you did if not more definitely Definitely. um and like we it should be said that i left like i went through three different other gyms while we worked together and like that's right that's right one of one of the main reasons why i i did continue to work with you is because like basically it took 5,000 kilometers between us to, for, to force us to stop. And even then we tried to make it work for yeah, a little while. Yeah, we tried to make it work for a while. <laughs> um, so for the listeners, we we tried virtual training and, and basically we got to the point where Emily had progressed so far and was, I just didn't feel like she was getting enough out of 
the virtual sessions to to progress her to her goals. So we helped her find her new new yes. new strength coach, and and yes. I couldn't be happier. Like it seems yeah. like you're doing really really well. Yes, they're definitely continuing on where you left off and making sure that I'm working super hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's um, good. It's good. <laughs> yeah, so in- incredibly rewarding experience. Awesome. Um, challenge. I think what the last part of the question was challenges. The challenges. Right? Yeah, I was gonna say, have you found any challenges working um, athletes with various disabilities? But um. That's another question that some people have asked, like, asked, like, are there any challenges for, like, teaching? I'd say one of the challenges, like, sometimes I wish I could experience what you're experiencing. Right. Um, just to sort of give me a better understanding of what what I'm asking you to do. Yep. Um, but other than, other than that, I nothing different than... Yeah, no, nothing out of the ordinary, I would say. That makes sense. Um, one of the things that my current strength coaches are doing, which has been really neat, is they – so there's I have two current strength coaches. Um, so they were actually, in the beginning, when we first started working together, um, they would do, like, training sessions where they – one of them was under a blindfold, so they had to, like, go through all the exercises that I they would be, like – go have me go through but they would do it like a few hours before I went there so that oh was wow kinda, yeah so one would be under a blindfold and then they'd do the full like training session and so they'd like take turns so that was mm-hmm. kind of neat to like see their observations from that so it would be yes okay okay Describe a favorite memorable moment that stands out during our crime training together. Mm-hmm. And why? <laughs> um, if you well, have a few, you can I have say I have I have several. Okay. Um, <laughs> maybe first, describe the, your like top three, maybe. <laughs> the first the first um the first ones, it's sort of like a group of memories. So okay. for those who have been lucky enough to meet Mrs. O or Darling, um, a lot of the exercises Emily and I would do would be on the ground. <laughs> and the number of sneak attacks with kisses. Oh, yes. That would just lead to immense laughter. Oh, yeah. Or trying to, like, <laughs> knock me over while she was trying to kiss me. Yeah. Be, like, having be... to, like, guard me so I wouldn't fall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's... So those were always, there was always a lot of laughter and a lot of fun. Um, for those of you who also don't know, Emily is immensely terrified of spiders. <laughs> oh, no. So a motivating factor, I would say, was I would sort of like make a noise on the floor and be like, oh, like there's a spider underneath. <laughs> and so if her hips were dropping during so, uh, a plank exercise or a bridge exercise, um, those were some of my favorites. <laughs> um, or yeah, there. But even I think the biggest ones were you tell when. It, and unfortunately, they're the ones that I didn't even get to see. Yeah. <laughs> so that like, you telling you telling me you qualified for a certain race, or you when you placed, or you you improved. Like I think just sort of 
seeing your hard work and the, the product of that, I think those are my favorite. Awesome. I have yet to tell the gym trainers here about the spiders. <laughs> oh, you're purposely keeping that from them. Well, the cat's out of the bag now. Oh, no. I might have to tell them on the WhatsApp chat. <laughs> I'm going to be doomed. Mm. <laughs> okay. Last question. If you were asked to give advice to a new coach who is going to be starting to train an athlete with a various disability, what advice would you give to that coach? Be as open and honest as possible. The, I think one of the big things, like we talked about you and I, the, the trust. Yeah. If I didn't know something, I would always tell you. Right. I, I would, I would, that's it. But I would say, okay, I don't know the answer to this now, or I'm not sure how we're going to do this, but I'm going mm -hmm. to read as much, learn as much as I can, and and we'll go from there. So if you're not open with, with your client, or if you're not open with your, the whoever you're working with, this goes for all relationships, yeah. then that, that trust isn't going to be there. And I think one of the reasons, like we said before, that we, we did so well is we had that trust in each other. Yeah. We had like open communication too. So. Mm -hmm. And another one, so something else, piece of advice for, for people working with individuals is don't be afraid to find other practitioners that have different skills than you do. Mm -hmm. So, for example, if you think of like Paul and I, right? Paul and I. So, Paul Tavares is a um, another personal trainer who Emily worked with previously, and but yeah. he became a he does a lot of fascial stretch therapy now. Yeah. And so, Paul and I would work in unison to try and help. So, I would tell Paul what I saw, and Paul would tell me what he saw. Right. And that partnership really sort of brings that up to the next level. Right. Whereas, unfortunately, within like the, the personal training and the strength and conditioning world, and then like massage and, and physio, there mm -hmm. seems to be a lot of com competition between yeah. people or between coaches. Yeah. And, I, and I get it. It's because if you're working with it, a lot of it comes down to money, right? It's if right. you're afraid if somebody likes working with somebody else, they're going to work with them and not you. And right. that's, that's going to affect your income. But if you're willing to say that you don't, that it takes a big person to, if you're not willing to say, I don't know, but I'm going to find somebody that does, mm -hmm. that, again, that person's going to respect you even more and that client's going to respect you even more. So right. that's a big lesson that I've had to learn over the last little while. That's awesome. That's great. Mm -hmm. That's great advice. Awesome. Well, that's all the questions I have. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Steve. No problem. So excited that you were um, excited to come on the podcast and to interview you, to get all of the, the amazing advice and knowledge from you. No so problem. Thank it, you so much. You're most, most welcome. It was a lot of fun to catch up. Definitely. I agree. All right. Awesome. Perfect.